The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. How have others impacted your life and how have you impacted those around you? Have people in your life set you up or set you back? Now, I rarely do this, but I wanna take an opportunity to share a little bit of my backstory. Um, for this message. Uh, Several years ago, when I was just getting started in ministry, uh, I think I'm like all of you, when you start out in life, you have big dreams. And I thought that I was gonna change the world. I mean, that's just being honest with you. I thought that God had called me to ministry and I was gonna change the world and at least change the world immediately around me, but it didn't take long for me to come to a place where I realized uh, that that probably wasn't gonna happen. And I went through a season of feeling incredibly disillusioned. In fact, um, those immediately connected to me in ministry. In fact, I can remember my pastor kind of reinforcing that idea that I probably wasn't going to accomplish in my life what I thought I was going to accomplish. And I can remember distinctly one day uh, I was at home and I was praying. In fact, I was praying in desperation. I was just laying on the floor And uh, I was kind of playing through my mind all the feelings I had about feeling like a failure. And I can remember distinctly in whatever way that you might hear God, I heard God in my own mind. And it was kind of like a whisper just saying, Patrick, do you believe I could do something great with your life? And uh, if it was any other moment, I might've been really excited to hear that. But for me, it was actually more like salt on a wound. And I remember very clearly in my prayer moment, just saying, no, God, I really don't. No, God, I really don't think you could do something great with my life. And in that moment, I quickly realized that I wasn't doubting myself, I was doubting God. But I continue to wallow in my fears and my failures and finally said yes to an opportunity to move to Hagerstown, Maryland to start a church. And before you get all excited and think, oh, wow, that's how the story turned around. Let me just say this. When I, when I moved to Hagerstown to start a church, um, I had to go through an interview process before those that oversee the churches would give me permission to start. And so I had to go back and replay all of my fears and all of my moments of failure. And uh, one of those kind of top level leaders that was on the panel interviewing me asked me a couple questions, and then looking over my resume, I can, I mean, I can, sitting here, it was as if, I can feel it as if I was sitting in that boardroom, and I remember um, this individual looking me in the eye after hearing my story and saying this to me, Patrick, no, you will fail. Not only will you fail, but you will run like a dog with your tail between your legs from starting a church. Thanks. That's exactly what I already believed. And I didn't really need anyone else to tell it to me. And uh, with that, let me just ask you this. Um, Maybe you're carrying some failures. Maybe there's some things in your life that you're carrying and there's others around you that are reinforcing it. Meaning they agree with your assessment of yourself that you're a failure. And I don't know what your story is. I don't necessarily know what your moment is that brought you to the place where even God couldn't convince you that you're something significant could be done with your life and others reinforced your feelings of failure. But I'm certain 
That right now as I'm speaking, there's these moments that you're feeling right now, you can remember where a past experience that was a failure moment has become your present identity that has set the course for your future pathways. Your past failure has created your present identity that defines your future pathway. Because here's what happens, right? These failure moments aren't just moments, they define us. They become who we are and we carry that failure identity as the definition of our life and it gets in our way and if you're like me, you've allowed failure to hinder your prayers, you've allowed failure to get in the way of what you believe could happen with your future and you have settled for something far less than what you believe was why you existed and maybe even what you believe was best for your life. And so what do you do? What do you do when you carry failure around that you feel it, you feel it in your relationship with God and others can see it? It's on your resume. It's part of your reputation. It's part of your regrets. Well, let let me just shift gears and bring you to a story of a guy who had good reason to carry regret. His story is set in the Bible, okay? So I'm just kind of giving you back background here. We're going to go in and we're going to look at a two-volume set. It's found in the Gospel according to Luke and the Book of Acts, written by the same guy. This guy, Luke, is writing from an investigative lens, meaning here is a guy who's far away from God, really not wasn't all that interested in Judaism or Christianity, but he starts to interact with Christians and he becomes intrigued about the person of Jesus. And so he starts interviewing people that knew Jesus personally. And then he becomes so convinced that that what they say is true, that this guy, Luke, who is an academic and a physician, becomes a Jesus follower writes out an account based on his investigation of the life and teachings of Jesus and then continues to study and record and follow these Jesus followers and later writes out an account of the story of the church. Now, this guy Luke writes out that story of the life of the church called Acts. And in Acts, he records the story of this guy named Saul. Saul, who... Uh, authorizes the murder of the first Christian, a guy named Stephen. And so that's his story. Saul uh, uses his power and his influence to mobilize a mob to murder Stephen. And so he becomes known as a religious terrorist. Uh, And so then he rallies more people to kill more Christians and persecute Christians. And now on his way to another persecution, he gets struck by lightning. Now, in, in, the, in uh, Luke's account, he just says that he sees a light and he hears a voice. I don't know. If you see a flash of light and you hear voices, you probably got struck by lightning. Uh, just saying. And it knocks him to the ground. Uh, Saul hears a voice and it says, Saul, Saul, what are you doing? Why are you persecuting me? And Saul has an encounter where he hears Jesus. And what do you do if you've killed Christians and then you become one? So we're going to pick up the story right there. So we're going to read in the book of Acts, written by Luke, uh, where he writes this. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. He was on his way to Damascus when he had this encounter where he got struck by lightning, heard Jesus speaking. At once, he began to preach, tell people about Jesus in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. 
Now that's all well and good, but listen to what happens next. All of those who heard him were astonished, as in like, ah, and asked, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? And the answer is, yes, that is exactly why he came. Um, he had come there to persecute Christians. And so now they're asking questions like, wait, why is he really here? And in fact, this, this is how it continues. Uh, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. He, he wanted to hang out and spend time with them, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. Okay, so let's pause right there. If you're like me, you would totally agree with these guys. You'd be like, yeah, keep your distance from this guy, Saul, because he actually authorized the murder of Stephen. He was on his way here to murder us. Stay away. What do you do when your reputation and your resume precede you and what people hear about you is not good? What do you do? How do you turn your story around? When, when your failures are setbacks and you don't see a comeback, here is what I read in the story of Saul. There's nothing you can do. And that's, you should all be like, oh man, really? We're, we're taking the time to hear this message. You're saying there's nothing we can do. Okay, there might, be nothing you, there might be nothing you can do, but here's how the story continues. Let's go to verse 27. Check this out. But Barnabas, who interestingly, this guy's name, which, you know, we don't really make a big deal about what people's names mean, but back then, names meant something. In fact, they, they meant a lot. His name meant son of encouragement. And he, he kind of lived the life of being an encourager. But Barnabas, the son of encouragement, took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. And how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Check it out. Here's how the story turns around. Saul is set up for failure. His failures have defined him. They've become his resume and his reputation. And now anybody who sees him and interacts with him is scared to death of him because his failures are going to get on them. He's contagious. He murders people. And, and when that's on your resume, other people who don't want to get murdered keep their distance. And, uh, and so what does he do? He does nothing. But this guy Barnabas vouches for him. It says that he brings him. He leverages his reputation to speak up for him. And as a result, they listen to Barnabas and Saul. And maybe it's not just your story, but maybe there are stories of people right next to you who they have been defined by failure. You feel it, but they're living it right now. And how do they ever overcome that? Well, here's the challenge I want you to take from the story of this guy, Saul, who meets Barnabas. The story is this, the, the principle that transcends time, meaning you jump ahead 2,000 years, and it's still relevant in our life today. The principle is this, 
that you and I can be hero makers. In fact, if you could just take a moment and would you jot that down? I, I wanna encourage you and challenge you that maybe the whole point of your story isn't for you to make a comeback, but for you to be a hero maker. Now, when you hear that, you're like, okay, what does that mean for me? Because frankly, I don't even feel like a hero myself and my life doesn't feel very heroic and I feel like I've messed some things up. I feel like a failure and my story is is full of failures. And I would say to you, yeah, that's probably all of our pain. A lot of us are carrying around failure. And so the idea of being a hero maker feels impossible. Well, I want to challenge you that it is impossible. The reason it's impossible is this. Even though I've told you to write it down and say, be a hero maker, the reason it's impossible is you and I are all fighting to be the hero of our story. We want people to notice us. We want to overcome our insecurities and do something great. We want to make our life about us. We want to accomplish something significant. Why? Because there is a driving force inside of every one of us that creates failure, but is driven by selfishness. That driving force is called sin. It's what biblical authors and Jesus referred to as this spiritual instinct to do what we want in order to live the life we want in order to accomplish what we want and make our life about ourselves. And the crisis of that is that this sin, which drives our life, which was driving Saul's life, hurts others. It was sin that drove Saul to destroy the life of Stephen. It was sin that was driving Saul to persecute Christians. And the challenge for every one of us is maybe you're not killing Christians, but maybe you are doing things because you want to, and it feels good, and it's how you're going to make a hero of yourself. And even though you're surrounded by feelings of failure, you keep fighting for your own reputation. Sin separates us from relationship with God and leaves us on a life course pursuing our own desires, pursuing our own ego, pursuing our own dreams, but at the end of it, it leads to a ruin, meaning sin sabotages our dreams, our best intentions, and sin sets us up for failure and ultimate ruin because the end result of sin is not that we hurt others and we hurt ourselves, but that our life ends in eternal ruin, in eternal judgment. But God was unwilling to leave us on this life course of sin, just like God was unwilling to leave Saul on this life course of sin. And so, you know, God sends lightning to strike Saul to get his attention. And then God speaks to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And God turns Saul's life around. And God doesn't necessarily need to strike you with lightning. But what he did was this, Jesus took on your curse. Here's what God did. Jesus came to earth with the express mission of taking your sin and my sin, our guilt and shame, and he put it on himself so that when Jesus died, he died once and for all. So that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven of their sins. But Jesus not only died, he rose again from the dead. And in his resurrection, He gives us victory over sin. He gives us victory over death and he gives us victory over eternal judgment. So that when you believe in Jesus by faith, God's spirit enters into your spirit. When his spirit is alive in your spirit, you have true and eternal life. 
Now, you might not feel it physically. You might not feel it in your mind or your emotions, but you are spiritually changed, and now God's life is in your life, and you are becoming what you could have otherwise never been on your own. That's the story of Saul. Now, check it out. Let's jump back to his story, because Saul has a life-changing experience where he begins to believe in Jesus, where he's forgiven of sin, and he, he becomes a new person, but his reputation still precedes him. His regrets still follow him, and all of a sudden he falls off the map. Even after this turning point where Barnabas defends him, Barnabas leverages his reputation to stick up for Saul, Saul kind of disappears. He kind of falls off the radar until a few chapters later. In fact, you could say that that's how the story could have ended. But there's this moment, and this moment is important. And so let me just jump ahead a little bit in the story to Acts chapter 11. So we're jumping about two chapters ahead. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, that's important. Who started that persecution? Oh, that's right, the guy Saul. So this chapter begins with, oh, you remember this guy Saul who goes around murdering people? Um, so the, that persecution caused people to scatter as far as to Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. Then Barnabas, now, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Now, this is important, right? So now Barnabas goes, hey, wait, what happened to Saul? And he goes looking for him. And he finds him in Tarsus. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught a great number of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now, what an incredible story of a guy who, a guy like Barnabas who decides, I'm gonna be a hero maker. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go after Saul. I'm gonna give my life to serving uh, this guy and I'm gonna help him become what he could never otherwise never become on his own. And there's a point to this story. Uh, maybe you and I are not just called to be a make a comeback and maybe our story isn't really about us being heroes. Maybe our story is about Jesus being the hero. Here is what I know, that God wants to do something extraordinary in your life. And so here's what God does. God takes ordinary people, maybe beyond ordinary. Maybe God takes broken people who feel like failures. Maybe God takes broken people who are failures and he intervenes in their story and he transforms them and God sets them up so that when they believe in Jesus by faith, you and I who are broken failures are transformed. But here's what God does. God does something extraordinary in our life and then he does something extraordinary through our life. And so the point when you read about this guy Barnabas who sets up Saul, here, here's the key. This is what I want you to take away from this story. Set others up to be heroes. What, what, did, what did Barnabas do? He saw his life mission, not as being the hero, but setting others up to be heroes. Barnabas made his life about helping guys like Saul become what they could otherwise never be. And so I felt like it was important to share a little bit more of my personal story since you heard the, the early part. For me, what made the biggest change was I got a phone call to come visit this pastor in Hagerstown, Maryland, 
a guy named Pastor Terry Broadwater, who his dream was to invest his life into other pastors and just to help them start churches. And he had never done it before, but that was just what was in his heart. And so I got the phone call and I really was scared to death. I mean, I felt like a failure and I I really didn't want to have a conversation with another pastor who could remind me that I'm a failure. But when I met with him, he started telling me his dream, that he believed that there were some pastors who just could help younger men become what they otherwise could never be. And he, he, he just was sharing how he believed that God was calling him to help start other churches through these kind of young men. And uh, something in my heart started getting really excited about this possibility. And I shared with him, I said, that, that's what's in me. I, I believe God's called me to start a church, but I don't know if I can do it. And, and I remember him just sharing this dream with me. And finally, we were kind of getting excited and agreeing together. And, and, uh, but then I got scared again. And I said, hold up. You know, for you, this is talk, but this is going to cost me everything. I mean, this is my life. I'm going to have to move my family. I got to move everything. And you're just talking this way. I don't know if you really mean it. How do I, are are you really committed to this? And I remember distinctly, because we had the conversation in this building and uh, Pastor Terry looked me in the eye and he said, Patrick, I will give my life for this. And uh, that was all I needed to hear. And so I moved my family here to Hagerstown and we began the process of starting a church with no people and very little money. And, um, but I, and, and so we would meet regularly and I would be so discouraged on most days because I really didn't know what I was doing. I still felt like a failure, but uh, I can remember this, uh, this distinct conversation on a regular basis. I mean, pretty much every week I would still meet with Pastor Terry. And we would sit down over breakfast and I would tell him all of my problems and everything that was going wrong and why this whole starting a church was a terrible idea. And I can remember as clear as I'm standing here today, Pastor Terry would look me in the eye and he would say this. He'd say, Patrick, I believe in you. I believe in you more than you believe in yourself right now. And what I see in you is that you're going to be a great pastor and you're going to pastor a great church. And that church and your church, Lifehouse, is going to have a great impact in this city. And it's going to become a key influential church in this city. And, and this church is going to start other churches and you're going to train up other pastors and you're going to lead a network of churches. And I would sit there and look at him almost wanting to laugh. Be like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm glad you see it, but I don't feel it. And uh, if you don't know the story, Pastor Terry um, tragically in 2014 passed away on a mission trip in India. He was passionately living out his dream to share the message of Jesus with as many people as he possibly could. And on that mission trip, he tragically fell to his death. But I can assure you standing here that when he said to me, uh, I don't think he meant it to be prophetic, but that he said, you know, I will give my life to see others raised up. And what I've learned from this, and and so let me just share this with you. I I believe that there there are There's a mark on every one of our lives, not to make our life about ourselves, but to set others up to be the heroes. That's what Terry did in my life. He saw something in me that I couldn't see in myself. And maybe there are people around you that you need to see something in them, even though they can't see it in themselves. Most people around you, what they see when they look in the mirror is they see their insecurities. They see their failures. They see their doubts. They see their regrets. But it's your responsibility to see 
see what God sees in them. You have to speak what God sees over them. What we need to learn is to begin to say to others, I believe in you more than you believe in yourself because I believe in what God wants to do with your life. You know what else you do to set others up? You have, I said, you have to see what God sees. You have to be willing to risk your own reputation. Look, when you get around people that feel like failures, it's gonna feel like a risk to stick up for them. Barnabas was willing to risk his own reputation, his own name in order to defend Saul. But because he was willing to risk his reputation, he set Saul up for success. And I, I can remember several meetings where Terry would come with me and he would stick up for me. I was young and I was a little reckless and I, I would so often say the wrong thing and he would kind of follow after what I said and he would kind of clarify and it always sounded better when it came out of his mouth. I can remember him defending me, speaking up for me. And, and there's something else that hero makers do is they leverage their strength to support those that are weaker. Look, there are people around you that need you to leverage whatever strength you have to set them up and support them in their weakness, in their fears, in their failures. Believe in people. Leverage your reputation. Leverage your resources. Leverage your connections. Look out for them and support them. And another thing you and I need to do is we need to let others stand on our shoulders. Sir Isaac Newton said, if I have seen further... It's from standing on the shoulders of giants. And I can distinctly remember Pastor Terry in a conversation saying to me, Patrick, my success is your success. My opportunities are your opportunities. Whatever you can use in my life that will help you, it's yours. And, I, and you know how powerful that is as a young man who now hears somebody saying, whatever I have that you can use, it's available to you. Maybe we need more people who are willing to say, my success is your success. My resources are your resources. Maybe our lives are not about us. Maybe our lives aren't about us being the center, being the heroes. Maybe it's about setting others up to be heroic. And, and that's also gonna require you to give people an opportunity to do something significant. Maybe you're so busy trying to do something significant that you forgot that maybe the most significant thing you can do is give, one, give someone else a significant opportunity. Maybe it's letting your children try something and fail. Maybe it's believing in the classmate that sits next to you every day. Maybe it's allowing a neighbor to be an encouragement to you, meaning give someone else a significant opportunity to make a difference in the world around them. Invite them to do something with you that truly matters for eternity. Here, here's the story. You saw it in the verses, and so let me just recap it really quickly for you. It, it, there's an interesting principle that kind of jumps out to you. You notice how when, when Saul started the persecution, it spread. It was a seed, and it spread all over the place. Everything you do is a seed. Saul started a persecution that spread, but Barnabas planted a seed in the life of Saul that also spread. He, here's the rest of the story. Do you know that Saul, he changed his name to Paul as a, as a statement of his life change. He went on to start at least 14 other churches. He wrote half of the New Testament as far as number of books. The, the New Testament of the Bible is 26 different books and letters. He wrote 13 of those. 
He later gave his life. He died as part of that persecution. And he has become probably what is considered the most influential person within Christian history outside of Jesus himself because Barnabas planted a seed. Barnabas didn't have to be the hero. He set Saul up to be a hero. And then there's this. I I don't want to miss this. So let me just kind of read this part to you. Um, but, But let me just challenge you with this. Before I read it, let me just say this. There are people in your life that have invested in you, and it'd be really cool if you had just said thank you. For me personally, uh, I had a chance multiple times to sit with Pastor Terry and let him know how much I appreciated what he poured into my life. But you know what's cool is within LifeHouse, my, my parents actually come to LifeHouse now, and this is a chance for me to say thank you to them. Interesting, when I was growing up, I had a youth pastor, uh, Dan and Tammy Bowers. They actually, I, I grew up in New York, but they're from Hagerstown, and they, they relocated back to this area before we moved here. And now Dan and Tammy Bowers, they come to our church. And uh, what an incredible journey to have my parents and Dan and Tammy, my youth pastors growing up. And then Joe and Lois Questenberry, a couple that prayed for a church like ours in this city about 35 years ago. And they were praying and praying and praying and they saw what we were doing as an answer to that prayer. And they came on staff with us for many years and we had the privilege of serving with them. So it's amazing when you've got people like Terry Broadwater and Joe and Lois Questenberry and you've got people like Dan and Tammy Bowers and my parents who just kind of support you and they become hero makers. It's pretty incredible. And so we have a responsibility to say thank you to them and kind of my, my, one of my goals this weekend is just to say thank you. But think about the people that have influenced you and maybe write a card, maybe shoot them a quick message. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, let me jump into the rest of the story. Check this out. Acts chapter 15. Sometime later, Paul, so now he changed his name from Saul to Paul, said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all of the towns where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they, were, they had parted company. So check this out. Barnabas took Mark, John Mark, and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers and the, uh, to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Sicilia, uh, Sicilia, strengthening the churches. So check this out. Here's the moment. And this is what I want you to get from it. You you actually have to learn to be a hero maker. It it doesn't come natural to you. This is what happens, right? Barnabas, he sees another opportunity. Here's John Mark, who Saul, who becomes Paul, sees as a lazy, immature deserter. And Saul's like, I got no use for John Mark. And Barnabas is like, hmm, a young guy who's got a bad reputation, but I believe in him and I want to give him an opportunity. This sounds familiar. So, so Barnabas goes, Paul, good luck. I'm sticking with this guy, John Mark. He needs an opportunity. And Saul's like, I don't need him. But then what he does is he brings Silas with him. And then later he invites this guy, Timothy, with him. Timothy, he sets up to be the pastor of the church in Ephesus. Then he meets Titus and he trains him to become the pastor of the church on the island of Crete. Then he raises up a guy named Philemon. And I can continue on a list of individuals that Paul trained. And this was a critical moment because Barnabas keeps raising up young people. So Paul starts training up young people, but Paul had to learn 
to believe in the next generation because it doesn't come easy to us. So I want to just, this is your lesson. Learn the lesson that your life is not about you. It's about you being a hero maker. It's about you believing in others. Young people, your life isn't about you. It's about Jesus being the hero and your comeback is defined by how you give others a comeback. Check it out. That guy, John Mark, that Saul, who becomes Paul, has no use for. Do you know that he becomes a personal assistant to the apostle Peter, then later travels and joins up with Paul and actually supports him while he's suffering persecution. John Mark eventually goes on to write the gospel of John, uh, Mark that is in the Bible today. See, sometimes the people that you, you don't necessarily believe in powerfully, there's something great in them because God believes in them more than you and I believe in them. And, and, and so maybe there's something God wants to do in your life because he wants to do something through your life. And there's heroes around you that God wants you to encourage, you to believe in, you to give an opportunity, for you to speak life in you, for you to leverage your resources to help strengthen them and to support them so they could become what God created them to become. For me personally, I can distinctly remember a moment powerful moment. Pastor Terry was uh, at the, toward the end of his season here uh, pastoring a Bethel assembly. And I was at a place where I needed a, a, a worship pastor. And his son was doing a great job in a volunteer role at the church that Pastor Terry pastored. And I went to him and I said, hey, Terry, I would love to hire your son, Corey. And uh, he said, Patrick, there is no church I would rather him serve at than Lifehouse. And there's no pastor I'd rather him serve under than you. And what I've, what I've discovered through this journey is that it really wasn't about Terry turning me into a hero. It's about me raising up heroes around me. And so I thought it'd be really cool as I conclude this message is if I invite Pastor Corey up on the stage. He's actually our longest standing staff member within Lifehouse. And as he comes, would you give him a huge round of applause? <laughs> I love guys that you have to stand on your tippy toes to hug. Um, here, here's the thing. Uh, I, I appreciate the fact that Terry trusted me to pour into Corey. Now, this is challenging. I actually asked Corey and his mom, Joanne, if we could share these stories because this is tough, right? When you lose your dad and you walk through that kind of pain and agony. But uh, Corey's been with us now for nine years. And, and, and what a statement of a guy who God's raising up. And there's a great work that God has done in Corey and Corey's impacted your life. And we've had the privilege recently of also bringing uh, Corey's mom, Terry's uh, widow on staff with us. I'm invite Joanne to come up on the stage. She's on staff now. And what an incredible statement to be able to have a moment where I get Joanne to be on our team and she's such an incredible voice of wisdom and she prays for you and she believes in you and her prayers are prayers to set you up to become what God's called you to become but, he, but hear me carefully this is what we want to accomplish with this message it's, it's not even about me raising up Pastor Corey Check this out, right? Pastor Corey has invested into and raised up TJ. TJ, come on up here. And, and TJ has poured into Stephen. And, and, and these guys, 
Now, I, I'm totally missed up names. And, and so Stephen has poured into Madison. Madison has poured into Bree. And Bree, now it's your turn. Right? Like there should be a line. What I want to see is this, right? It's not, it's not about Terry pouring into me, me pouring into Corey, or Corey pouring into TJ or Steven or Madison or Bree. It's about the next one and the next one and the next one, right? Because at Life as we believe that it's about the one, but also one more. And there's someone missing here. Thank you guys. Would you give them a huge round of applause? So look. As we end this, we want to do something really special, and I'm going to invite you to respond with me. I asked uh, Pastor Corey and Joanne, in just a moment, they're going to play a song, and as that song begins, you're going to see a video on the screen. Just some, Pastor, you're going to hear a quick word from Pastor Terry, a video that we found, and some pictures of the early footage of Lifehouse, but really what we want you to take away from this moment is, who, are you, who is God calling you to invest into? Who is God calling you to raise up? Maybe the most significant thing you'll do is not something you do, but someone you develop. So I want to pray over you. Jesus, thank you for the privilege we have of being rescued by you. You became our hero. You transformed our life. But God, in, in you being our hero, you've called us to become hero makers, to pass it on. So God, right now, I pray that there be individuals that are being encountered, they're having an encounter with you. For some of them, for the first time, they're ready to say yes to Jesus and make you their hero. For others, they believe in you, but they need to take that step into allowing their lives to be used, not to be a hero, but to raise up hero, heroes around them. And so God, would you speak to us right now in Jesus' name, amen. Now would you... Just allow this song to encourage you as you check out this video. Open 
listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.